Welcome back, listeners, to NortheastValleyNews.org. You are listening to This Day in Sport. It's Tuesday, October 3rd. My name is Oli Olafson. I produce the show for now until I get canned. Mike Brown is in the studio. What's happening, everybody? Mike's on microphone number one, just so you can keep track if you are got your scorecard out. Josh Blymeyer is also joining us today. Hello, hello. Hi, Josh. How are you doing? I'm doing well. How are you, Oli? Good. I'm doing great. Aside from the air quality problems we have here, which I'll explain in a couple of minutes in case we all start hacking our lungs out. Thomas Bonvehi is here as well. Ew. <clears throat> How'd I do? You got it. Nice. We've been practicing Thomas's last name for several weeks. Um, we are here today on the campus of Scottsdale Community College reporting or recording our podcast in the newsroom. There's a landfill fire going on not far from here. So the air quality is very bad, almost oppressive. We're lucky that we're working indoors today is all I can say. It's not a whole lot better actually indoors. It's not, so it's not. we may have some coverage of this landfill fire on northeastvalleynews.org coming up be completely honest depending on well how long it uh continues this podcast is called this day in sport you may be listening to us right from our site at anyvalleynews.org which we appreciate also you could if you were listening on spotify be checking us out on n-e-v-n-f-m baby the word baby isn't in there i just put that in uh, thanks for listening, however you are participating or watching. We got video and everything, so you can check us out either way. The podcast is in two segments. The two-minute warning is what we do first. That's when we go around the studio and talk about something for two minutes and two minutes only that is important to us, and we hope it's important to you as well. The big part of the podcast is a discussion segment that we like to call the main event in a big voice too. You can't say in a small voice. So let's get right into it in our, our two minute warning segment. I'm going to set up my timer on my phone because that helps us to stay within two minutes. And who is going to start? We didn't even talk about this in pre-production. Mike, you were over there. You just go ahead and start. All right. Let me know when it's, when it's showtime. No, go ahead. Start it up. I'll, I'll just, I'll just wing it. All right, today we're going to talk about the law of averages in sports, and if you don't believe in them, you need to wake up a little bit because this is very consistent. Talking about my squad, specifically the Minnesota Vikings. Last year, we're 11-0 in one-score games. During the regular season, we're not, going to, we're not going to talk about the playoff game. And this season, they're currently 1-3, and, and a lot of it has to do with ball security. Ball security is a very important thing at the NFL level, especially at the NFL level. You cannot give teams extra possessions or, to, or in Kirk Cousins' case on Sunday, throw it to the other team and watch them go 99 yards the other direction. I don't, Ouch. <laughs> yeah. I don't understand. You've been in the league too long to make that throw, Kirk. Oh, stop it. Put the take the chains off and get back to work. Put your shirt on too. <laughs> I mean, a I, I, I knew was... things were gonna be goofy this year when he started showing up in commercials everywhere. But seriously, if you've been watching sports for a long time, when it comes to the law of averages, things always balance themselves out and things always start to bounce a certain direction. It's not you're not cursed, your teams aren't cursed. It's just the way things go. And it it's a fact of life also. You continue to pay attention over and over again, and things will begin to balance themselves out. 
And please, stop turning the ball over. This is getting ridiculous. NFL teams across the league are turning it over at an insane clip. Some of this is bad quarterback play, bad offensive line play. It's all over the place. But I think this is also a big reason why teams should continue to play in the preseason, at least for a couple of series. Teams are out of rhythm. It shouldn't take you a quarter of the season to get yourselves together. Are you talking about like key players participating in the preseason? Yes, to key players, your starters. Give them two or three series every every preseason game. You need to find some rhythm early. That way, you're not wasting the first quarter of the season. Because starting in an zero and two, zero and three, one and three hole is not a good recipe to try to make the playoffs at the end of the year. No, it can't happen. But it's not likely. It doesn't look good. Team morale goes down, and I mean, as like one turnover, one play that can cost you, mm-hmm. like. Absolutely. That's the point I'm trying to make. That's the difference between a win and a loss. Nice. That's your two minutes, Mike. Josh, what do you have for us for two minutes? I am going back to the even bigger laughing stock of the NFL currently, which would be the New York Giants uh, MetLife Stadium. The Giants are the only team this season with three primetime games. In those three primetime games, they're 0 and 3, and while being outscored 94 to 15. Wow. So that kind of kind of leaves me on some questions uh, in terms of last night's game against the Seattle Seahawks, which was a Monday night game. Um, so the Seahawks tied their franchise record with 11 sacks. So that it means the offensive line for the Giants weren't even there. They didn't realize they were playing football last Olay. night. Uh, was it game really yeah, yeah. so uh it kind of leaves me in question on what the giants are to do here um daniel jones 27 for 34 uh 203 yards very very average not too good of a game seattle improves to three and one um obviously we know pete carroll kind of an older gentleman oldest uh coach in the league but i think he still has it uh he's got his team sitting at three and one they got a bye coming up um, he so looks fantastic for pushing 100 years old. Yeah, he does. Really, he does. He's in good shape. I hope I'm in that good of shape I mean, when I'm 72. Saying, oh, the Rams blew them out. You know, it's just a one-year wonder. They're three and one. Yeah. It's clear that Geno Smith, he has been one of the few guys who's, like, been able to back up that contract that he earned. So far. Yeah, well, and last night he he was down. He went into the locker room for an MRI in the middle of the second quarter, and their backup that they traded for for the Broncos, Drew Locke, came in and connected with his old tight end, Noah he looked, Fant. He looked good. Yeah, he yeah. and Fant were right on the same and page, so weren't they? It was, it was good to see that the Seahawks are kind of moving the chains in the NFC West, and it'll be interesting to see what happens with the Giants further this season as they are 1-3. and three. Good defense uh, for the what Seahawks. What can look like if you give them a yeah. little bit of time on the sideline for a couple of seasons to see how <laughs> yeah. the game works. And wow, lo and behold, it looks like they can perform a I little mean, bit. Seattle's been perfecting it with Geno Smith being behind Russell Wilson and then Geno Smith playing well. He got Drew Locke behind him. Drew Locke comes in and he, he just plays well. Keep Thomas, you're up for your two-minute warning. Hit us. All right. I'm going to be talking about how these big contracts for uh, NFL quarterbacks could be changing the league for a long, long time. Um, obviously, we've seen a ton of them. We saw Lamar Jackson, Joe Burrow, Justin Herbert. It, just this season alone, last season, we saw Russell Wilson. We saw Deshaun Watson. Um, we've been seeing a lot of quarterbacks. Daniel Jones getting paid this offseason. But now you're starting to wonder, I mean, if you're paying these QBs 40 mil, 45 mil, 50 mil, 55 million. How are you going to pay the wide receivers? How are you going to pay the defensive ends? How are you going to pay that left left tackle? How are you going to pay your other key players? Because listen, I know Mahomes and Brady, they're, they're just like, Oh, well they can elevate a team, but you need a supporting cast. A QB can't do it alone. 
There are 11 guys on offense, 11 guys on defense. All players matter when it comes to playing. And if you've got a second stringer on your – just even a right guard, you know, your offensive line is not looking good. Your QB isn't going to have time to throw the ball. If your wide receivers, they're new or they don't got much NFL experience, they're going to struggle. If your defense, you know, they're going up against the top dogs, whether it's a top tight end, top offensive line, they're going to struggle. So you got to bring in – got to keep the names that already know how to play in the NFL that are efficient because otherwise you're stuck with a quarterback who's really good, but he's got no supporting cast. Teams have like been- in hockey when you, you, you know, teams go out and get a great goalie, but if your goalie gets peppered every game, you're not going to do much better. Teams have convinced themselves that the only position that's not expendable at the NFL level is quarterback because they've seen too many guys who took bad rosters to Super Bowls, and they think everybody is going to be a Hall of Famer, and it's just how it goes these days. Well, yeah, you look, at, right. you look at Seattle, and they're in an interesting situation where they've played a lot of those out, paid a lot of those outside pieces, like, you know, George Kittle, yeah. CMC, Eric Armstead, a lot of those guys, and Brock Purdy is the the last pick of last year's draft. You know, he's, he's due for a big paycheck, and it'll be interesting to see what happens to the rest of that squad. Did you say Seahawks? Or sorry, the 49ers. <laughs> I was gonna say it's okay. You're in the right yeah. division. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> for my, I'm gonna start the timer on myself. For my two minute warning today, uh, I'm gonna go back to college football crazy talk. It was week five, five count them five in NCAA football. We had a couple of pretty good upsets. Not super surprising, but they were fun to watch. Number nineteen, Oregon State who has a new quarterback from Clem Clemson's old quarterback. Is there anybody want to take a crack at Oogalele? Yeah, that's it. Uh, From Clemson was their quarterback. They were able to upset the number 10 Utah Utes 21 to seven. Also, this was probably the most thrilling game of the day. Number 20 Ole Miss upset number 13 LSU in a shootout 55 to 49 this game featured a last minute a a couple like a last minute drive by lsu where they very nearly scored uh to take the win but they couldn't quite do it former sun devils quarterback Jaden daniels was lsu's quarterback he had 414 passing yards and four touchdowns in the loss ouchie kentucky who is unranked defeated number 22 Florida 33 to 14 as well. What could have been Auburn just about upset number one, Georgia. They came up a touchdown short, but they were ahead most of the game. Duke number 17 almost pulled it off against number 11, Notre Dame as well, but they came up a little bit short 14 to 21. They've also lost their quarterback for the rest of the year. It looks like, Oh, yowza. What to watch for in week six, the Red River rivalry. I have to say that very, very slow because it's hard. This is your favorite game of the year, isn't it, Mike? The, uh, yeah, I believe so. The Red River rivalry will feature number 12. Oh, no, my timer ran out. Number 12, Oklahoma versus number three, Texas. That's going to be the best game of the, of the weekend. Also, just as a heads up, Colorado takes on ASU this week. That'll be a... That's Fun one to watch. 
That's the two-minute warning. We're going to take a short break and hear from our sponsor, northeastvalleynews.org. And then we'll be back with the main event. Hey, kids. Why take classes that make you snooze when you can report the news? Sign up for JRN 210 at Scottsdale Community College now. Work on our student-run, student-written news site. Learn how to write news. Learn how to work with video. Learn how to work with audio. You'll be ready for the big time after you're done at Scottsdale Community College. We're back with the main event of the evening. Today, for the main event, we are going to talk about our takeaways from the first quarter, believe it or not, the first quarter of the NFL season, which is now behind us, basically. We've gotten four weeks in. We've got a little bit bigger body of work to look at than we did with our week one show, where we talked about the biggest surprise we had from week one. This is going to look at a little bit more a little bit broader sort of work uh, because we have four games to look at. So let's talk about what our takeaways were for the first quarter of the season. Let's work backwards this time. Thomas, we're going to start with you and then work towards Mike. What, uh, what takeaways did you get? uh, Have you gathered from the first quarter of the NFL season? My biggest takes uh, has definitely been bears and Broncos. I'll start with the bears. Um, we saw horrible. What? Yeah, they're 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 terrible. I mean, against the Packers, they showed almost no fight. I mean, and then with Denver, who's also struggling. Both teams are zero three. You got a twenty eight to three lead, and you blew it. That's inexcusable. You you just can't blow those kinds of leads. I know, I know the running joke of twenty eight to three with Atlanta, and if you have that lead, you are cursed. But come on, just you gotta eat clock i know it can be difficult it can be frustrating can be annoying but you just gotta eat clock in chicago too yeah yeah and choke job is still a choke job i don't care how much time's left the thing that bothers me the most with chicago is not even how much uh the fans were talking coming into offseason because i mean we hear a lot of talk i was like okay maybe they might improve i get why they're a bit cocky you know they got picks from carolina you know they got dj Moore. but here's the thing Justin Fields is not improved with DJ Moore. And we but we've seen it with guys, Josh Allen, make or break year. He gets Stephon Diggs. He's just a, he becomes a different guy. Tua, make or break season. He gets Tyreek. He becomes way better than he was. And then you got Justin Fields. Oh, he's gonna be that guy. He's gonna have a breakout season with DJ Moore. And he tanks. He's just I haven't seen it from him. I know he had four touchdowns against Denver, but well, he's also running for his life half the time, too. True. I mean, Darnell Wright, I want to say that's who they drafted with the ninth or 10th pick this season. He's looked all right, but the rest of the offensive line has just looked terrible. But even then, I mean, there have been times where they've been able, the offensive line has been able to give him some time, and he still tries to scramble out of the pocket, whether he's got a man open or not. Maybe wait it out for a bit. You think he's just got happy feet? Maybe. I, I think he does. He's a bit of a runner, at least with Lamar. A lot of, Hey, a lot of quarterbacks, a lot of the, I mean, it's the new, that's the new direction in the national football league is the, we never used to have that. I mean, I'm old enough to know that 
back in the day, you're, you know, if your quarterback moved out of the pocket too much, I mean, if you're, unless you're Fran Tarkenton or Kenny Stabler or something, but that wasn't what teams looked for. Teams looked for a pocket passer. Joe Montana could stand in there and deliver the ball. And it's a different age in the NFL. Now we're, we're, we look towards athletic mobile quarterbacks and we're not so afraid of them being hurt anymore. Um, so it's just a different landscape now at the quarterback position for sure. I mean, we're probably about half and half now. I mean, even the Colts with Anthony Richardson have a highly mobile quarterback that can score points on his own. Yeah. But even with the, uh, with like all the running, that's fine. But the thing is, you also kind of need to know when to stay into the in the pocket. There, and there have been so many instances where I've watched not just Justin Fields, but like other quarterbacks, Joe Burrow, uh, when he's health healthy. Lamar uh, Jackson. Yeah, Lamar Jackson, and he's definitely There's one. There's a massive difference between happy Conrad. feet and the ability to yeah. run, though. Like happy feet is yeah. the guys back there scared. You know, being able to run and being athletic is not an issue. I mean, yeah. you look at the transition. Old, you look look at old tape from old college football games where teams were running the wishbone and the wing tee. Quarterbacks ran all over the place. They didn't throw hardly at all, and so it's just a dynamic that's been added to the recipe of what makes quarterbacks different now. And it also gives the owners a reason to not spend as much money on the offensive line. True, but you also got to know. Oh, I never thought of that. Never thought of that. I mean, you look at Kyler Murray, though. He's somebody who ran all the time in Oklahoma, did it really well. And I think it partially was due to Cliff King's very last season. But Kyler had to struggle on the. That's what I'm talking about, though. It's it's very different when your guy, when your quarterback is one of the fastest guys on the field. It's (laughs) that's a weapon. But I mean, also, you know, Kyler's like you know five four. Yeah, but there are also times we got to stand in the pocket and just throw it. I just like to throw that in there. <laughs> yeah, we do love yeah. him. Uh, no problem. Um, and then the other team is the Broncos. Coming into the season, I feel like there were three types. Obviously, some people thought Champagne isn't the other. Some people like Champagne is going to make this team a contender. And then I feel like most people were kind of in the middle, kind of a they're not going to be contenders, but they're not going to be a complete flop. Probably around. I was expecting a nine and eight. Their season. defense is playing like wet paper sacks. The the thing is, first week. Their defense holds the Raiders to 17 points. Their offense it's can't the get Raiders. nothing. Yeah. They get nothing going. They lose by one. Then the next week, 33 points, including a last-minute Hail Mary against the Commanders. But your defense gives up 35 points. And then the Dolphins game. Just an utter collapse. I know you beat the Bears, and you came back to win by 25 points. But that game alone, I think, just killed their season. That's just a game you do not recover from. Broncos country. <laughs> oh, that that they're in purgatory. I thought that I thought when they went out and got Russell Wilson that the all of their problems were solved. Is that I mean what what happened to that? They're trying to force him to run a completely different offense than what he ran in Seattle. Yeah. Seattle gave him the ability, and Carroll allowed him to freelance a lot more. And I think Sean Payton is trying to get him to play more from the pocket because he's an older quarterback now. They don't want him to run as much because he's more susceptible to injury. But what made Russell Wilson great was his ability to freelance. Right, and right. And you had to have a whole entire player who's uh, – the only thing they did was just watch Russell Wilson when he was with the Seahawks to make sure he didn't – run all the way down to the field and score a touchdown. I've seen guys like this in the past. I used Donovan McNabb as a prime example of this. Some guys are just so good athletically that they never actually learn how to play the position at the highest level. And when that athleticism begins to slip, even though they stay healthy, 
you see the flaws and you see the holes in their game because they're not quite the same guy as they were at one point, and they have to learn how to transition. But I still think Wilson's got some athletic ability left in him, and I think they're doing him a disservice by not allowing him to give it a little little bit of schoolyard action. Because, mm-hmm. I mean, as much as I just talked about how, like, you got to stay in the pocket, you also know when to get out of the pocket. And when Russell Wilson, when he's in the pocket, he'll normally throw around 10 or 20 yards. When he's out of the pocket, he is not afraid to throw that ball downfield. Well, also, mm-hmm. you, know, yeah. you can see at that point. People forget Russell Wilson's only five ten. You know, people yeah. never take into consideration actually visibly being able to look over your offensive line when most of those guys are six four to six seven, and you need throwing lanes. I also yeah. think it comes down to chemistry too. You look at like Tyler Lockett and Russell Wilson in the years that they had and built with Pete Carroll, and now you get two great receivers, Cortland Sutton, Jerry Judy as wide receiver one and two, and I think that. It's kind of been a struggle just to get those connecting. But I think if they kind of almost go for like maybe shorter yards or um, kind of like as uh, Mike was saying, let them out of the pocket a little bit more and freelance, I think that they could build something and he could be the Russell Wilson. Let's be honest. This year, this season specifically, he's been way better than last year. The defense Uh, is trash. Yeah. It's been a one eight. Josh, why don't why don't you go ahead and uh, keep up uh, and tell us what your takeaways are? Yeah, I would say. Yeah, my biggest takeaway that I was shocked on this season was the Cincinnati Bengals so far. Uh, one and three start. The one win they had was uh, against the Rams at home, uh, 3.1, 19 to 16. And I just, I really just have no answers for this. Um, they have a very similar team. They got the um, same players. Yeah, exactly. They just paid Burrow. Well, um, not all the same players, but yeah. they've got all of their key positions are the same players from the year they were in the Super Bowl. Exactly. And, they had and, and I thought they were going, everyone thought they were going in a building upward trend. And uh, unfortunately, they have kind of just fallen apart, um, simply said. I just don't know. How come? Uh Wait, uh, well, you just said you don't know. Yeah, Wait. Like, I, I really, I really don't. Do you? Would you guys have an answer? Because this is why I think I a lot of it has to do, and I know quarterbacks play injured all the time. Joe Burrow has the calf injury, and I was talking to them about this in pre-production. He hasn't had an off season with the team. He's not practiced with the team in the off season. He's been injured, had the appendectomy, had the ankle injury. Now he's got the calf injury. Something that I think they should have sat him on. Because, again, a lot like Russell Wilson, what makes Joe Burrow Joe Burrow is his escapability and his ability to make magic outside of the pocket. Right now, he's standing there and being a statue. And even though their offensive line is better, they're used to his escapability. And they're used to him extending plays. And it gives the receivers more time to get open. And they're not in quite the same rhythm because I think he missed it a lot of reps. And they may still get rolling. I mean, they started off slow last year and ended up tearing it up towards the end of the season. So, you know, don't write them off just yet. But I think that injury is going to linger most of the season. And this may be this season may be a wash for them. Right. We're just so confused, though. And there's you know? another thing that they lost. As for the defense, they lost both of their safeties. Von Bell to the Panthers and then Jesse Bates to the Falcons. And they were arguably their top two or top three players on that defense besides, I'd say, Trey Hendrickson. And, I mean, they were massive blows. I mean, I was thinking, yeah, okay, O-line sorted out, but what do you do as a safety? Yeah, you got Mike Hilton as a cornerback, and I'm definitely missing a guy, uh, Chidobi Awuzie. But who's going to play safety? Who who could you get? I was thinking maybe at a long shot. I know he wanted out. Baker. Could you get Buda Baker? Yeah, that's what I was thinking. Maybe go out there, splash on Buda Baker. Cardinals okay? are playing awfully tough to be making moves, so I know they're not exactly yeah. winning games, but they're in every single game every week, and they're that was like they're here to play. And if you're coming down to Arizona, it's going to be a tough battle the way they're playing right now. Yeah, I that actually yeah. that brings up close. Right. I, 
I would say they got smoked, but it was against the Niners, and they're a machine. Yeah, they're unstoppable. That was that was actually going to be my my next point. Is I feel like the Cowboys are a little bit fraudulent. Um, I mean they they've had some <laughs> the fraudulent. Cow- nice use the word fraudulent. The Cowboys yeah. are all. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I mean, V three and one. You know, they're they're a good team. I mean, they they always do this every season, but they did have a tough run. As as Mike was saying, when you come to Arizona, you just don't know. And I think as a rebuild squad, losing to that. I mean, granted, they were on the road. Um, you see it in college all the time. NFL teams do it too. They look past teams, and then all of a sudden you get slapped in the face, and you're like, "What? Oh, what's happening?" And I'm like, "You're getting steamrolled." That's what's yeah. happening. Yeah, they overlooked their opponent. They're like, oh, we we got this in the bag, and then that underdog team is just like, "We've got nothing to lose." So no, Dallas's defense is so is is really really good, and I think they're trying to be a be a run first offense. I Dak Prescott has gone under his uh, over under on yards every game this season. They're not throwing the ball as much. They're not turning the ball over as much either. But I think they're focusing on kind of an old school style of playing. So it's not pretty, but their defense, if their defense stays healthy, and I realize they lost digs for the season, but if their defense stays relatively healthy, they're 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 gonna be a problem. Especially Michael like Parsons. Dude is a beast. Yeah. I, I like that. Play. So you so you think Dallas is smoke and mirrors, Josh? I think okay. so too. Possibly right. even Miami. Is there upcoming Mike, schedule? we got about five minutes left in the podcast. What uh what what were you looking at over the first quarter of the season? Uh I I like I'm just gonna talk about the Philadelphia Eagles. Uh they're they're four and oh, they're undefeated, but their wins haven't exactly been pretty. I think you're seeing a massive reflection on how important coordinators and coaches can actually be to an organization. But if you're an Eagles fan, I wouldn't fret about it too much. They're still finding ways to win games, which is all always about most importance in the early parts of the season. You want your team to hit your stride going into the playoffs. You don't want them to be overperforming early and then have a tail off late. Everybody stayed relatively healthy, but they've had a lot of issues in the red zone with scoring touchdowns. I think you've seen a a little bit of shift in their defensive philosophy with uh, Jonathan Gannon now being in Arizona. And I don't remember the name of their offensive coordinator, but he's no longer there. And their play design just looks very, very different. I think they're still trying to make Jalen play from the pocket more often, even though he's built like a, Ferrari and absolute tank of a human being. And um, I'm still wondering if they're ever going to take away that play of theirs at the goal line where they push him into the end zone. Cause it's just so ugly to look at, but, but who cares? It gets getting them points. Well, I know it continues to work. And I think Deandre Swift, I think is getting a little too much hype because if you watch the, even though his numbers look great, if you look at the film of what's going on, I think most of us could run through some of the holes that he's getting to that offensive. And, uh, but they're, there's, they're still finding ways to win games. It may not always be pretty, but dubs in the NFL are hard to come by. So I think they're going to continue to perform at a high level. And, um, but pay attention to your coaching staffs. It really does mean a lot for these guys and causes can, can cause issues with rhythm and timing and what they do as an organization and as a team. And things get a little take a little yeah. while to get going. I mean, the Eagles some occasionally for like uh maybe every other drive I've watched them play, their defense just looks sloppy. Like they look out of rhythm. They don't look to be in position. They give up around like maybe ten yards, but then the opponent will gain around twenty yards after the catch or run, and it's just like. Where's the rhythm? Where's like the synchronization? Chemistry I, goes way beyond what what the players are doing on the field, even though that's yeah. a huge part of it. But coaches have chemistry of players. Coaches understand players' tendencies. They can put guys in better positions to be successful. And when that changes, it changes the entire dynamic of what's going on. So, so all of a sudden, you know, a, a new coordinator comes in. He's like, oh, well, we want to try you over here. Well, he just dominated at this spot. So why do you want to move him over here? Well, I think yeah. he's going to be successful over here. And all of a sudden it doesn't work and they don't look like the same player and it just completely 
it you know, backfires. it throws everything off. Well, yeah, you yeah. bring up like Gannon, for example, mm-hmm. with the Eagles last year as a coordinator, uh, and now he's the head coach. And you know, people think Cliff Kingsbury, for example, he was an OC as well, mm-hmm. um, head coach at Texas Tech, and a lot of these guys, you know, they perform well as a coordinator, and then yeah, they get the head coaching job because they're a great coordinator, and just the chemistry is completely thrown off, or. Sometimes it works. You look at Mike McDaniel's in his squad right now. I mean, he's doing a hell of a job with uh, his team and and working them together. Some guys don't have the personality yeah. to be a head coach. That's a big difference. Some guys are just guys built to be a coordinator, and there's nothing wrong with that. You still get paid, and you still make decent money. You're just not the guy. I think the the person that Mike just represented right now, unfortunate for me, as much as I like him, I think Brandon Staley. He's not a he's not head coach material. I love him. How many times are you going to go for it and it doesn't work before you're like, well, the numbers say the numbers are proving you wrong, son. Yeah. And one crazy thing is um, I don't remember who I know that um, they played the Raiders this week. I'm not mistaken. Yeah. And we're in danger of losing that game until Aiden O'Connell did his best Kirk Cousins impression at the end of the game. They they get it. Yeah. They get an interception. And. On the sideline, Brandon Staley is yelling at his corner, get on the ground, get on the why get on the ground? You're in the, like you're in the red zone of the Raiders. Go run maybe 20 to 30 yards. You've got room. Why are you telling your cornerback to go down? If you get a three and out, that's the worst place to be for a three and out. Try and get as much yardage. Get some. Oh, that's all right. Fourth and ten from their own five, they'll go for it. <laughs> he he would not say they would. can get it. Yeah. Unless <laughs> that's your say that forty. Listen, I'm gonna wrap. I'm gonna wrap things up. We're out of time right now. I'm gonna wrap things up with just a couple of things I noticed. I've got a good and a bad takeaway. My bad takeaway we already talked about is the Cincinnati Bengals. They are down all the way to number twenty in the ES or in the NFL.com power rankings. Uh, Joe Burrow has two touchdowns so far this season, but also two interceptions, and he's been sacked eight times. Uh Higgins has their only two receiving touchdowns. Uh, Chase and Boyd have zeros. Okay. So they're not scoring. Uh, the good uh, takeaway that I have for this season is the Detroit Rock City Lions, number seven in the NFL power rankings right now. I don't know why they, well, you know what? They started doing really good at the end of last season and we weren't sure why. Uh, This year, they brought in David Montgomery, who is their rushing leader, 262 yards, five touchdowns. Uh, They they really only have three receivers. They've got St. Brown, De La Porta, their tight end, and Josh Reynolds, who they picked up from the Rams. Um, St. Brown has 26 receptions. Laporta has 22. Reynolds all the way down to 12. The rest of their receivers only have a handful of catches the the for the through the first four games. So this is a double whammy. I we don't really know why Detroit Lions are doing so well, and we don't really know why the Cincinnati Bengals are doing so poorly. Um, but I just it's just those were my two takeaways that I'm super puzzled about. The coaching situation has yeah. changed the culture in Detroit immensely. Yeah, it has. I think you're right about but that. What are you what are they doing with Gibbs right now? Well, I mean, they don't. Right, they've got a they've got a split backfield. They've got Jamar Gibbs, who split backfield. They gave Montgomery thirty carries. Well, okay, it's unevenly split backfield, but um, you know, it it could just be David Montgomery. Who knows? Maybe they're just that much better because they have David Montgomery. I I think Montgomery is the type of runner that's 
really good in the red zone, and that's what the Lions were looking for. While Gibbs does the work, when more consistent, kind of a thunder and lightning situation. I think Gibbs is going to be the home run hitter guy, but I still think yeah. guys like that need carries on a somewhat consistent basis. But I think Montgomery's the guy who you can expect to get three to five yards per carry, and yeah. uh, Jared Goff is a lot more effective with when the play action ability is there. It changes this whole dynamic. Now I'm a little concerned about some of the interceptions he's been throwing because he went so long without throwing them, and he's sure. tended in his career to kind of have a bit of a turnover avalanche effect to him. So he starts turning it over a few times and all of a sudden it becomes kind of a problem. So it might be something to keep an eye on with that. But other than that, yeah, they look good and they look like they're going to be a bit of a problem. Thanks for watching today. We got to go because we are over our time and we don't like to be over our time. Thank you for joining us today on this day in sport. We would like to welcome you to check out our site at northeastvalleynews.org. That's nevalleynews.org. We will talk to you next week. And until then, be safe. Don't text and drive, for goodness sakes.